Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Consider your actions in this life a lot more serious because there is a day of judgment. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. For today's Core Truth, we're picking up in part two of our message titled Standing in the Gap in Genesis chapter 18. You ever feel like, hey God, did you forget what you said? It's like, I, your word tells me this, your word says that, but it's like, when's it going to happen? But yet God came through at the appointed time, just like God's going to come through here. Let's pick up and read in Genesis 18, verse 10, it says, I will surely return to you, this is the Lord speaking, at this time next year, and behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. She's like 89 years old right now, okay, <laughs> almost 90. Okay, and Sarah was listening at the tent door. So she's got the little glass up on the tent door, okay? So yeah, so she's listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old. Yeah, they were old, old as dust, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Yeah, like maybe 30 years past, 40 years past. Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I have become old, shall I have pleasure My Lord, being old, also talking about Abraham. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Now, Abraham doesn't even know she's there. She's behind the door listening. She's eavesdropping. Okay. He said, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I indeed bear a child when I'm old? Is anything, this is what the Lord says, is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will turn to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And she says, and, oh, and he said, the Lord said, oh, 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 no. Oh, you laughed, all right. Oh, you laughed. You're making me laugh. Okay. Anyway, so the Lord tells Abraham, I'm going to return to you next year. And you and your wife, not the maid, not someone else, you and your wife will be new parents to your promised son. Oh. Again, as we said, Sarah was eavesdropping as she snickers and says to herself, yeah, right. Like, like I'm going to get pregnant at 90. Like that's going to happen. And the Lord's telling her, hey, girl, you better get your groove on because it's going to happen. Okay, (laughs) it's going to happen. You know, Uh, then the Lord said to Abraham, why did your wife laugh? I wonder how many times Christians laugh at the promises of God. As we sigh and we moan about our present circumstances and problems, oh, yeah, yeah, well, God can help. Oh, yeah, right, you know. (laughs) It's like, you don't understand, man. You don't understand what I'm going through. As others ask us, well, did you pray about that? Yeah, like I never thought about that. Yeah, well, like whatever. It's so easy to forget who God is as we see the enormity of our own problems 
All of us need to heed what we are told in verse 14. Look at it again. He said, is anything too difficult for the Lord? Look here, you have God himself in a body right here. And he's saying, answer me. Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? So he's the one who said, let there be light. And the sun was there. He created the universe. The earth is flying in an orbit around the sun. It's 520 million miles long at 1,000 miles per stinking second. There's 100 billion galaxies with 100 billion stars in each one. We didn't evolve through some 13.7 million years ago through a big bang theory and we all came from monkeys and your great-great-grandparents are orangutans. It's like God created us. He makes our eyes see, our tongues that can taste, you know, our brains that can contemplate and think, our fingers that move. He's the one that created the vastness of the creation. And he's asking us, is there anything that I can't do? Well, the answer is an obvious no. What rhymes with yo and starts with no, there's nothing that you can't do. Nothing is too difficult for the Lord. And God, amen. And, and God declares this throughout his word. He has to constantly remind us humans, uh, hello, let me remind you of this again. He said it in Jeremiah 32, 27. He says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? Talking about the restoration of Jerusalem in Zechariah chapter 8, verse 6, he says, Thus says the Lord God of hosts, if it is too difficult in the sight of the remnant of this people in those days, will it be too difficult in my sight, declares the Lord of hosts? And God says, I will bring you back to Babylonian you know, captivity. They all came back. What happened in 70 AD when General Titus of the Roman army came in and destroyed Jerusalem? He dispersed the, the Jewish people throughout the world. They had no homeland. Their homeland was taken away for 1,878 years. Then on May 14, 1948, God restored Jerusalem again, brought God's people back to their own nation again. Who would have thought that could happen? Nothing is too difficult for the Lord. And then he talked to some little girl. She was maybe 14, 15 years old. Her name was Mary. And an angel came and said, hey, guess what, little girl? You're going to bear the Savior of the world out of your womb. She's like, uh, okay, uh, that sounds nice. Uh, I just have one little question. Uh, yeah, what's the question? I- I've never been with a boy. I- I- I'm a virgin. <laughs> you know, it's like. Don't worry about it, little girl. Nothing is too difficult for the Lord. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and ba-bam, you're going to get pregnant. And she did. Yes, even if it's past anything that we could ever imagine. Even if it's past everything that we could ever think in our mind, bigger than anything we could envision, more than we could ever grasp ourselves. But God has said, nothing is out of my realm. I can do everything. And the Lord points out that Sarah laughed. She laughed. Notice she couldn't be seen when she was laughing. And when it says that she laughed to herself, meaning he's just to herself. Abraham doesn't even know this is happening because it's behind him because he's in front of the door. The door is closed. She's uh, eavesdropping. And it's like, so he doesn't hear her or nothing. But the Lord says she laughed. But wait a second, she laughed to herself. But think about the magnitude of this. That means God knows everything. He knows everything seen. He knows everything unseen. 
He knows everything heard. He knows everything unheard. He knows our thoughts before we think them, before our thoughts reach our tongue, it says in Psalm. It's like he knows our thoughts out in the open and behind closed doors. How long will we continue to do things as if God doesn't see us? How long will we think that we're getting away with those things? The reality is this. Unless a man or a woman's sin is forgiven, they will eventually play on the big screen in heaven one day because one day there's going to be a day of judgment. The Bible says it's appointed for every man and every woman to die. And after this comes judgment. It's an amazing statistic. Nobody gets out of it. One out of every one person dies. And he says, and when you die, you can live however you want to live. But guess what, buddy? God's saying, listen, buckaroo, when you die, you're going to stand before me. But we have to remember that God is a God of love. He's a God of mercy. He doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to forgive you. That's why they need, everyone needs to hear a message from every true believer that there's a God in heaven that loves them. And if people repent of their sin and they turn of their sin, guess what? God can and will forgive us. I love that verse in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man or woman be in Christ, they become a new creature. All things are passed away. Everything becomes new. Oh, how sweet that is. Who can forgive sin? Nobody. You can go to a shrink. You can go to a psychiatrist. Pay him 200 bucks an hour. Pay him 500 bucks an hour. Get the best you can get. They cannot forgive your sin. They can tell you you're okay. Oh, everybody does it. Don't worry about it. But we're born with a conscience. And when you feel guilt and you feel shame, it's because you're stinking guilty and you've done shameful things, right? That's it. But as we walk with the Lord, we realize that though this life is difficult, one day we can share heaven with him. On this side of heaven, oh, there'll be hardship. There'll be trials. There'll be difficulties. But on the other side of heaven, oh my goodness, it'll be joy and peace. So our message to people is not come to Christ because it'll be a bowl of cherries. Some people are like, oh, my life's kind of fun. I don't know if I need Christ. We're not selling a bowl of cherries here. We're selling the fact that there's a judgment and in the end, we'll be judged for every sin we've ever committed. And that's why we must come to know Christ. Yes, God sees everything. Remember when Philip brought Nathaniel to Jesus in John chapter 1? Jesus said, oh, how's it going, Nathaniel? I seen you when you were praying under the fig tree like an hour ago. He goes, how did you know that? Oh, you're the Lord God. I worship you as Messiah, Savior. And he goes, you're going to worship me because I saw you under the fig tree an hour ago? Well, guess what, buckaroo? You're going to see mighty more things than that. (laughs) But back to our text here. Sarah denied that she laughed. Yet the Lord said, oh, no. You know, I didn't laugh. It didn't happen. The Lord's like, oh, oh, you laugh, girl. Okay. Proving that one day in heaven, no matter what people will say, the truth will prevail. But know this. Nobody can ever pull the wool over God's eyes, obviously. He sees it all and he knows it all. And he will have the last word in all things. God said in Jeremiah 23, 24, can a man hide himself in hiding places so that I do not see him, declares the Lord. He says, do not, I, do not, I not fill the heavens and the earth. Hey, I fill everything. How do you think I'm not seeing you? That's what busted me when I was 18 years old. 
sitting at a kitchen counter in Upland, California, when someone was telling me about Jesus, all I was thinking was like, oh, geez, I got a Jesus freak in front of me. When are they going to shut up? Okay, that's all I'm thinking. And then all of a sudden they said, and Jesus said, and they repeated Luke 12, 3. I didn't know where it was then, but, oh, I've since looked it up. But it just roasted me in my seat. As they said, everything you've done in the dark will be heard in the light. And everything that you whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops of heaven. And I realized... I was a bad boy, and I realized that God knew everything I did. And if he knew everything I did, I'd be like on a rotisserie in hell, like a, like a pig with the apple in his mouth getting roasted. It's like, hey, come over for carnitas. No, that's me. Don't do it. Anyway, whatever. You get the point. Yes, but again, back to our text. She had laughed, and God said, no, 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 I saw you. She said, no, I didn't know. Yeah. I again remind you of this. In the fact that everything is seen, not to torment you, not to make you feel bad, but it's to challenge you to consider your lifestyle. Consider how you're living. Consider your actions in this life a lot more serious because there is a day of judgment. And I want to encourage you to seek out the Lord. And I want to encourage you, if you know people that are living in sin, it's like share Christ with them. Look, they might not listen, but they deserve to be heard. You, you need to tell them the truth so that they can have an opportunity to get right with God. But as we continue here, we see the Lord had some more business at hand here, which brings up our point, having to see. Sometimes God just wants to see it for himself. He already knows. We already talked about it. he sees everything in secret. But he came down because he wants to see something for himself. Let's read about it here. Chapter 18, verse 17 says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? I guess he's talking to the angels. Since Abraham will surely become a great and a mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed, not just the Jews, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. For I have chosen him in order that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice in order that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. And the Lord said, the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great and their sin is exceedingly grave. And I will go down and I will see if they have done entirely according to its outcry, which has come to me. And if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and they went towards Sodom while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. So the Lord says, hey, I'm here for a reason. I'm coming by and I'm talking to you, Abraham, because I got a little promise I want to share with you that you're going to have a baby next year. But I'm on my way over to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, you remember Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember a couple chapters ago, you had Abraham and his nephew Lot, and they were having problems with their herdsmen because God had blessed them so much. Their herds were increasing, and they were kind of running over each other's you know, feet and everything. So Abraham goes to his nephew Lot. Hey, you know what? Hey, let's just split. Let's divide ways. You go to the right, I'll go to the left. You go to the north, I'll go to the south. Whatever. You take whatever you want, and I'll, I'll take whatever else so of course that little snot-nosed you know nephew lot says yeah let me take the best of the land so he looked at sodom and gomorrah and it says it was like a garden of the lord then it was the most lush you know fields for the for his herds and all of that so he says yeah let me take the best instead of saying hey uncle abraham i'm just lucky to be alive you know why don't you take the best and give me whatever leftovers that that's good with me but oh no he takes the best so he went to sodom and gomorrah but the bible told us that the men of Sodom were wicked. And we're going to see here soon that when the angels came in 
to deliver Lot here in a couple more chapters. We're going to see how the men walked in and Lot said, hey, why don't you come to my house and spend the night? Because it's really wicked in the city. And they said, no, we'll sleep in the street. Kind of told you where Lot was in his house. But he finally got the guys to come to his house. Then the men of the city came to ravish the men. They didn't know they were angels. That was sexual perversion at a whole nother level. We'll look at it when we get there. But getting back here, it's like God declares once again that he has chosen Abraham to raise up a godly people, a people set apart. I like what Joshua said, and this is who we need to be today, even in the culture that we live in that is surrounded by so much wickedness. He says in Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yes, this starts with us. It starts as a choice. No matter what our circumstances are, it doesn't matter. It's a choice. It's a decision that we must all make. We have to decide for ourselves. And notice, it's not just, again, for the Jewish people. Verse 18 states that the will of God here very clearly says to Abraham that this is a blessing that's going to go to all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Every nation, every tribe of people, men and women alike, every skin color, God is the creator, and he desires all to come to repentance. Then in verse 21, the Lord says, man, I'm going to go down to the Sodom and Gomorrah, and I'm going to just see how wicked it is myself. I'm going to walk the streets myself. God wanted to see it. That's been heard up in heaven. He already knew all of these things. But Abraham knew all about the wickedness of Sodom, again, because of his nephew Lot moved there. And I'm sure he's gone down and seen how wicked it was. So Abraham must have known the grave situation that was at hand. He's thinking, oh, man, God, when he sees how wicked it is, he's going to roast those people. So the Lord himself came down and wanted to see it because he was going to completely bring fire and brimstone down on Sodom and Gomorrah. But don't forget what God has established in his word. And this is why we have to be open to sharing the message of hope with people. Because it says in Galatians 6, 7, he says, do not be deceived. Meaning, don't delude yourself here. It's like God is not mocked. Whatever a man or a woman sows, that they will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from his own flesh corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will by his own spirit reap eternal life in heaven. So he says, look, you're not going to be judged for me, and I'm not going to be judged for you. You're going to be judged for you. (laughs) I'm going to be judged for me. This is why it's so important that our sin is forgiven, because there's no way of escape for any of us outside of God's forgiveness. Well, Abraham, realizing it's all going down here, knowing that God is getting ready to destroy them, he starts, listen, he intervenes for these people. These people are wicked people. They're pagan dogs. And here, what? It's Abraham that's intervening for them. So let's bring up our final point here, making an appeal. Let's read what he says here, picking up in chapter 18, verse 23. He says, and Abraham came near, near to the Lord, that is. And he said, will thou indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous people in that city. Are you going to indeed sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous who are in it? 
far be it from you to do such a thing. He's saying this to the Lord. Hey, you can't do that. To slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you. Again, he says, shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly? Look, you're God. You're, you're the judge of the world. You're going to be just here. So the Lord said, look, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within that city, then I will spare the whole place on the account of the 50. Verse 27, and Abraham replied, now behold, I have ventured to speak to the Lord. Now he's kind of realizing, okay, I know I'm being a little forceful here. Although I am but dust and ashes. Suppose the 50 righteous are lacking five. What what if there's not quite 50? What, What if there's only 45? Will you destroy the whole city because of just that five? Or will you spare it because of 45? And he said, this is the Lord, I will not destroy it if I find 45 righteous. So Abraham is appealing to the Lord here. You can't destroy the whole city. Yeah, you, you can't do that. I, I know that they're heathen dogs down there, but it's like, but there's righteous that are mixed in inside of them. You're the Lord. That would be unjust. So he starts negotiating with the Lord. And God says, well, if there's 50, I won't destroy them. And then again, you know, Abraham's like, you know, last time I was out there visiting nephew law, that's a pretty wicked place. There's probably not 50 there. Okay. This is like Venice, California. Okay. It's like, whoa, you know, there's probably not 50 righteous. Well, what do we for? We're for missing five. It's only 45. Well, as you continue to read the text here, he, he goes, uh, okay, well, Lord, well, well, okay. What, what if there's only 40? I won't destroy it if there's 40. Well, well, what if there's only 30? I won't destroy it if there's 30. What if there's, what if there's only 20? And it's just like, I won't destroy it. If there's 20 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, I won't destroy it. So then look at Genesis 18.32. He said, oh, may the Lord not be angry. Because Abraham knows I'm pushing all the buttons here. He's like, don't be angry with me, Lord. I'll just speak this one more time. Just one more time. Suppose there's only 10 people in the city. And Jesus says, I will not destroy it on the account of the 10. Look at the love that God has for humanity. If there's only 10 people there, if there's 10 righteous, I will spare the entire city. If there's not, if there's only 10 there. Look at Abraham again. Look what he demonstrated to each and every one of us. He was able to capture and reveal the true heart of God. Why? Because he had the heart of God. I wonder if you've ever stood in the gap for a man or a woman's soul. Have you ever stood in the gap for a man or a woman's soul where you were relentless with them, where you persisted and you persisted for them, where you were not going to take no for an answer, you just continued to share the gospel with them? Abraham was on his face seeking God's favor for these wicked dogs in Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know the story. There wasn't 10 people. In fact, there was barely even one. Because when the angels went in to deliver before God destroyed that city, and he destroyed it, he leveled it. He got Lot, his wife, and his two daughters, and they literally had to drag them out, kicking and biting and scratching. So even the somewhat righteous, he got out before he destroyed it. 
If you haven't uh, found that person that you have really prayed for, may I ask you, why not? Why is there not a hundred people that you're praying for? Why is it not that there is just dozens of people, and I'm praying for my cousin, and I'm praying for my uncle, and I'm praying for my parents, and I'm, I'm praying for my kids, and I'm praying for my coworkers, and, and I'm praying for, the, for the, the one gal at Ralph's, and I always go through her aisle, and now the one gal at the bank, and, and I'm praying, you know, it's like, uh, there's so many people I'm praying for at LAPD, it's, just, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's out of control, because I want them to come to know Christ as I come to know Christ, just as my Savior. This is why we do this. So if you're not praying for people, why not? Is there no one that you know that's worth it? I mean, how much do you have to hate someone to not share the life-changing message of the cross with them? Let's remember, Abraham wasn't standing in the gap for a bunch of cream puffs here, okay? These are a bunch of lowlifes. It's standing in the gap for those people. When you just want to say, you know, the best thing that could happen to you is you could walk off like the Grand Canyon. That's the best thing that could happen to you. Because that's our, that's our attitude in the flesh, right? Hey, could you just go like lay down and die somewhere? You know, that's our attitude. But yet God would have us still to reach out to them. That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word. That's Core Church LA to seven seven nine seven seven. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. 